10 years ago, um, when the first, actually back if you go back to the first genome, it cost several billion dollars to sequence it. And I think people still think it's a very expensive thing now, but the technology has improved to where for less than a couple hundred dollars, we can look at all these genetics and genomics. And so the science is there, medicine's just not caught up, and we're trying to bridge that gap. Welcome to What's Next with Eric Wood, where we will prepare you to make your what's next in life your best yet. Our next guest is Matt Dawson. Matt is the CEO and founder of Wild Health, which is a company that I personally use that will help you optimize your own personal health to the next level. He will explain why he started Wild Health and the ways they go about helping you live your best life. After this podcast, you will be more ready to lock in on your nutrition and overall well-being. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to help spread the impact we hope to have. Thanks to everyone out there that has been sharing this podcast like crazy, whether that's through social media or texting it to friends. I truly appreciate it. It's because of you that our listener numbers have grown like crazy lately, and I'm incredibly grateful for it. Enjoy. Matt, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, Eric. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this company you have started, Wild Health, has already made a big impact on me, but we're going to start off with you the way we do all the guests on the show. Tell me about where you're from. And I understand you were a two-sport athlete earning college degrees. What, what kind of athlete were you? Yeah, I think athlete is uh, generous. Um, I've definitely played a couple sports in college, but um, really didn't have uh, much talent at all. I kind of cobbled things together. I was in growing up younger and in high school, I was just kind of obsessed with uh, how the body worked. And I remember in high school, I played kind of all the sports in high school. The only two that I was good enough to get any offers in were soccer and tennis, which were actually my two least favorite, but, uh, but the only ones I got offers in. But I remember in high school um, going to the library and, and just getting books on all the sports I was playing. And I would set up these um, training programs in my backyard with ropes and ladders and things. And uh, it was just through kind of sheer effort that uh, I played a couple sports in college. And then I realized I wasn't that good. So I, I didn't, uh, didn't play all that long in college either. Well, sports is going to come to an end for pretty much anybody. Now I have really taken a liking to a, a sport recently. I'm a, I'm an avid golfer and I also have taken up pickleball lately with your tennis background. Are you on the, are you in the pickleball game yet? Yeah, that's hilarious. I um, I saw pickleball for and thought, yeah, it's just for old people. Then I played it and just got obsessed. So I actually just paved an area at our house. We live in the woods on a couple hundred acres and just paved an area and put a pickleball net up. So we're, we're we are definitely on the pickleball train now. Yeah, I'm 100 percent in. And I felt the same way. I thought it was kind of a low contact sport that they put in senior villages and whatnot. And then <laughs> we went out and played and I'm tracking my strain on my whoop app. And I'm like, wow. You know, in 90 minutes of pickleball where we're competing, we're having fun, we're yelling, we're screaming, I'm burning as many calories. And, I, and you know, I, I don't use that as, as the end-all be-all, but as a, a HIT class, a 60-minute high-intensity interval training class at the gym. And so oh, for me, it's a lot more fun playing pickleball. Now there is a lot of merit to the resistance training. And so I'll add that in as well a few days a week. But I've had a lot of fun incorporating pickleball to get a lot of that exercise because I'm competing. And so um, I truly love it. And I like how you talked about you were obsessed, you know, through high school and of how the body worked. And it's amazing as you're growing up, the things you dr are drawn to naturally, how those are often your gifts that you'll utilize later in life. And those that are completely unfulfilled in life generally need to go tap back into 
what they did naturally as a kid or what they were drawn to. I remember as a kid, I would memorize baseball stats out of the newspaper each week. And now I'm in broadcasting. I love the stats and love everything about it. And so it's just kind of funny how you can look backwards and, and often that will predict where you, you might end up. But you end up starting this company called Wild Health. And I mentioned it's had an impact on me. For the listeners that are unfamiliar, describe Wild Health as a company. Sure. So it's it's a genomics-based precision medicine company. So that's, that's a, a, a lot of words there that may not mean much. Um, every patient that we see, we go really deep, a lot deeper than, than physicians and medicine only goes. We sequence their DNA. Your, your DNA is um, your DNA, DNA is not your destiny. Um, it, it, people have heard that saying, it's about 20% of your health outcome, but it's a really important critical piece. It's kind of like your human operating system. So it tells us all these advantages and disadvantages you may have or risk factors. But then we also do a really deep dive into blood work, biometrics, measuring all the things that make you feel and perform a certain way, vitamins, minerals, nutrients, hormones. And then also we look at microbiome sometimes. We also do a really deep dive into the things that we can't measure about you, like what you eat, who you eat with, where, how you sleep, what your spiritual or mindful, spiritual beliefs or mindfulness practices are. And then we bring all of that together with the whole person and tell you how to optimize your life. We take care of a lot of athletes and, and others and who really can kind of take them to the next level by telling them what kind of foods, um, maybe how they're going to modify their, their training, what supplements they are perfectly designed for with their DNA, their blood work, their lifestyle, all of that together. Yeah. And you mentioned this is really good for athletes, but it's really good for anybody. It's really good for anybody to optimize what they're putting into their body, how their lifestyle interacts. And yeah, it was since I've gotten the information back, am I 100% perfect? You know, I, they, they informed me I have a gluten insensitivity or gluten sensitivity, I should say. So avoid it. You know, there's times where I still you know, have some pretzels or whatever it is on the weekend, but it's just being conscious of that and understanding yourself even better. So I've really enjoyed working with Wild Health in my time over these last few months. And what what led you down the path to decide that you wanted to start Wild Health? Yeah, so Mike Mallon, my co-founder, uh, he and I were, were practicing traditional medicine. We were in the system and um, we, we liked helping people. We liked the idea of medicine, but we just saw it was broken and didn't work. We were seeing patients and just putting band-aids on things, treating symptoms. And, um, at the same time, we were kind of obsessed with performance optimization. We were doing, I was doing Ironman races and Mike's doing ultra marathons and things. And we started seeing all this science emerging around genomics and how we really potentially could apply it. And so we started with ourselves. We sequenced our DNA. And as we were doing this and seeing this, Mike had a really difficult issue with his lipids. He got back these crazy high, scary numbers and he saw his doctor. His doctor told him to do a certain diet. He got worse. His doctor wanted to put him on a statin, which is a normal medication. He got muscle breakdown, myopathy, didn't tolerate it. And as he's going through this, when we got his genetics back and looked, we saw pretty quickly he needed to be on the opposite diet. This doctor had told him wow. We saw that he had a single nucleotide polymorphism that made him almost guaranteed to get that muscle breakdown. Sure. And we just were angry. We're like, why did his doctor not know this? Why do you have to suffer? And we realized, well, the science is there, but no one is practicing this way. And we're like, we have to do this. Like we, we have to, it, there's a better way. And we just, we dove all in learning everything we could about it and practicing ourselves, our friends and family, and then eventually started the company. 
Well, I appreciate you guys taking those steps because the way our medical system works right now, and you know from practicing traditional medicine, you don't have the time to dig in with these patients. You're seeing so many a day. It's It would be really, really, really difficult for you to even get that deep into the weeds with, with each individual patient to be able to make the proper recommendations. And, and, and you're going to have many situations like Mike had throughout the day, the weeks, the years. And so I appreciate you guys taking a step out and you know, when I was playing in the NFL, I got food studies done and it would give me a glimpse into what foods would work well for me. But this is an all encompassing deal. And is that what you feel separates wild health from maybe your concierge doctor or your specific nutritionist for you? Yeah, for sure. It, it's the holistic approach. I think one of the mistakes that medicine makes is treating people like they're a collection of organ systems and they're not their whole person. We need all the pieces of the puzzle at the same time. And, and it is partly about physicians not having the time, but it's also about, I mean, I doubt any of your listeners have had their doctor like run a full genomic panel on them. And, and it's because the reason is because medicine is always about 10 to 20 years behind the science. Mm. Like we've known we can do this for several years now, but no one is doing it. Medicine just moves slowly and, and we weren't happy with that. Um, and so we, that, that's why we, that's why we did it. it. The science is there and it's not like 10 years ago um, when the first G actually back, if you go back the first genome, it costs several billion dollars to sequence it. And I think people still think it's a very expensive thing now, but the technology has improved to where for less than a couple hundred dollars, we can look at all these genetics and genomics. And so the science is there, medicine's just not caught up and we're trying to bridge that gap. Yeah, the cost has gone, gone down dramatically and people don't have to travel to Lexington, Kentucky to get this done either. It can all be done virtually through Zoom appointments and then you go get the blood work drawn, you're sending off the samples yourself. So this isn't a travel to destination either, which made it very appealing for me with a busy lifestyle that I could just work it into my schedule and then work these Zoom calls in with my personal coaches and, and it worked really well for me. And so you're seeing a lot of people that are coming to you that are that are fairly serious about their health or they want to get serious about their health. And so maybe they're a notch above maybe the standard American diet or the, the leisure lifestyle that most people live or the sedentary lifestyle, I'll say. But what are the biggest and the most common pitfalls that you see as far as diet and lifestyle that's negatively affecting people? You know, the issue is people just don't know. Like what I find is that people are motivated. They want to be healthy. They want, they want to live right. They just don't know. Um, I mean, I can give you example after example, but when it just comes to diet itself with Mike and I, one of our aha moments was when we looked at our DNA, we basically need the, you need to eat almost the exact opposite diets. So wow. I do really great on a ketogenic diet, but Mike has all these PPAR alpha, PPAR gamma, FTO SNPs, and he needs to eat almost a vegan based diet. And so when you hear, I used to never like to talk about nutrition because it was almost like a religious war. Like people were just dead set. They knew the perfect diet for themselves. And a lot of times they would find one that works for them and they assume that it works for every human, but that's not the case. We're also bio, bio, um, bio, we have bio individualism that makes us not tolerate something that may be great for someone else. So I see people making mistakes that they hear about on a podcast or somewhere else like do this, but they don't realize that it's the opposite for them. I'll give you one great example of that, um, which is caffeine. So we've known for forever, like decades, at least that caffeine is an ergogenic aid to make you perform better. Like I 
took a ton of caffeine when I was doing Ironman racing. Um, but that's not for everybody. So what they found is in these studies of like 10K, 10K time trials with cyclists, if you're a fast metabolizer for caffeine, it makes a big difference in improvement of your time. If you're a slow metabolizer, it actually hurts you and you perform worse. So I had a, an NBA player, max contract guy, um, who was really struggling with his mood and just some things going on during the season. And what I found out is that he was just crushing Red Bull and these other drinks before a game to get up all this caffeine. And he also had a snip with his genetics that not only was he a slow metabolizer of that, but he had an Adora 2A snip that made him really mess up his sleep with caffeine. So he's playing these night games, couldn't sleep all night, would go to bed at four or five in the morning, get up for a shoot around and then go back to sleep, then get up and, and chug these. And just that little thing of identifying the Adora 2A and the caffeine snip just changing that, it really affected his mood. He's, he was talked about in MVP talks this year, he just had an incredible year. So it's those little things that you just don't know about yourself. And you see studies like in medicine, when we say caffeine is an ergogenic aid, it makes people perform better. What we're really saying is it makes 60% or 70% or 80%. But if we can tease out that other 20%, we can make a big difference for people. Yeah, you're exactly right. That was honestly one of the things that I wanted to know first um, once I got my results was the caffeine deal. And, and for me, you know, playing football for so long, I wanted to know about the if I was more predisposition to have Alzheimer's plus the TBI and how that all factored out. But I really wanted to know the caffeine because I, I felt like I was having some pretty good crashes from it. But we also have young kids and it could be, you know, it, there's just so many factors in, and it allowed me to have some peace knowing that my caffeine intake was, was okay for me. Now, what they did say was you don't sleep super late. I'm a, a warrior type. Nathan was explaining to me. So, and Dr. Graham was explaining to me. So I'd naturally wake up super early. And once I'm up, my mind starts going like there's all these things I could be doing and it, I'm not, likely not going to fall back asleep. So they, they had me start cutting off my caffeine consumption most days before noon, just to try and help the sleep numbers on the back end. But I was honestly uh, relieved to know that I could still have my coffee and energy chews and, and the other things I partake in. So that was cool. And, and another thing, that, that I've, I've made a dramatic switch in. It's cost me a little bit of money, but I feel like even as a family, we've benefited from it. Talk about, you know, everybody, everybody's heard nowadays how valuable it is to drink a gallon of water, be hydrated, but the type of water you drink is really important. Can you talk on the importance of that? Sure. And uh, Eric, are you talking specifically about kind of alkalinity or purity or, or what? Are yeah. You so I, so for instance, um, I was generally drinking either tap water because in Louisville, Kentucky, that's why our bourbon's so good. It's run off the limestone. We take pride in our tap water. And then also if, if, you know, a lot of times we were getting alkaline water from Costco, well, that was stripped of its minerals, which I didn't realize. And so they suggested a few different brands. Um, one of which I have with me right now um, that I think has made a difference for me personally. Yeah. And the reason why I kind of ask what you're referring to is everybody is so different. So, so in general, like when we think about water for some people, it may not make that big a difference. Um, other people may really need those minerals. Other people have uh, kind of limited detox pathways that we find in their DNA. And for those folks really need to be careful about, is there some sort of toxins in their water as well when it's coming from uh, either tap or a well or something else. So it's water, I think, 
um, while having something that, yeah, maybe is, is, is more spring uh, and natural and has the minerals in it is going to be great. Um, it's kind of like everything else. It kind of depends on the person we recommend. So really it's, it's hard to give anybody any standard recommendations. And that's kind of the fundamental uh, point of what we do. It's, it's dependent on the DNA, the blood work, the lifestyle and everything with that person. Yeah. And, and I've heard you speak before um, on other media outlets about your passion around longevity now. And so what has some of your recent research shown you in the areas of human longevity? Yeah, we're really focused on, and to be very specific, health span. So, so lifespan and longevity in general, that's good. Um, but we're more, more focused on someone living great for a long time. Not yeah. You don't want to be a hundred and not be able to move, you know, we want to be a hundred and playing pickleball still. Exactly. I mean, it, it's funny. That was a, a couple of our very first patients where one of them was my grandmother who had uh, dementia. And um, you talk about quality of life when someone has that. Uh, but we were able in a few months with her on the program, her Montreal cognitive assessment kind of improved by 25%, which you just don't, wow. don't see. And so my next my next thought after seeing her was my mother, uh, her daughter, like, does she have the risk factor? You mentioned earlier, um, worried about kind of Alzheimer's dementia and TBI. So we, I, I saw my mother, she had an APOE4 gene, which puts her at much higher risk for having Alzheimer's and dementia. She also had insulin resistance and some other issues. We put her on this full holistic program. And in three months, she lost 40 pounds, reversed her insulin resistance. And she said that she felt 20 years younger. And when she said that, I thought, mom, you, you actually, you probably are biologically a decade, at least younger. We've probably added that amount to your lifespan. And, and so when we think about health span like that, we start with, okay, what are the genomics? What are the risk factors? What are the things that are, that are going to cause this person to not have a, a great health span? And then how do we affect those? Like we, we know now we have great targeted interventions to really ha- help people live much longer and live well as they're doing it. That's great. And, and specifically, I, I'd love to hear you say this. And when you mentioned the dementia, I'll just ask you specifically now, you know, there's a lot of football players out there that understand the risks that comes with pro football. I had six lower body surgeries when I was playing. And when I was playing, especially because they weren't knocking me out of games, I wasn't that concerned with the contact to my head. Well, you get older in the league and then you trans you transition out of the league and then you understand how important your head is you know your brain is the most important thing you have in your body so in looking at neurogenesis and everything else for for either the current football player or the former football player at a high level that's taken a lot of shots what would be your strongest recommendations to them for long-term brain health yeah for sure um yeah, your brain, your head is for a lot more than just leading on a tackle and uh, <laughs> then take somebody down, especially once you're not playing anymore. So um, there's a lot. That's why I was going to hesitate. So there's a really great book by Dale Bredesen called The End of Alzheimer's. And in it, he's talking specifically about dementia, but he talks about the 36 holes in the roof to patch. And so when we talk about that, 36 things, that there's so many things, it's multifactorial. So when we're talking to someone about how, how to optimize their brain function and protect it, we have a long list of things. And we start by looking at the risk factors, like the genomics. If someone has an APOE4, they're at much higher risk. And so for someone that has an APOE4, I mean, honestly, they may want to transition out of contact sports a little earlier than, than someone else because of how high the risk is. Or we can talk about things to mitigate it. So first off, you're just 
not going to damage your brain in, in other ways, which is high glucose diet, um, having too much sugar all the time, um, alcohol, sleep optimization is critically important, um, decreasing inflammatory foods like gluten and dairy. There's a long list of to all of them optimizing levels like omega-3. We even go so far as to a lot of our NFL players now, what we'll recommend is taking exogenous ketones like before and after a game. So ketones can kind of be protective a little bit as well. So it's a holistic approach and it's a long approach. We know that you're running a risk in the game. And so we're just gonna do everything else we can to reduce the other hits because it's cumulative. It's not just the impact, it's everything you eat, your sleep, all these other things add up. So we do everything else that we can to preserve that brain and regenerate it. You can regenerate your brain. There's uh, BDNF is uh, some people have less of that genetically than others, but you can increase that with high intensity exercise with certain foods like lion's mane um, helps kind of regenerate. So we can protect and regenerate the brain in every other way in kind of a holistic fashion. Yeah, that was one of the most enlightening things to me as I transitioned out and uh, met with Dr. Daniel Amen and talked to a bunch of people in the space is that, look, this, it's not like, yes, the damage has been done, but we can do something about it now. It's not, you know, back in the day, they used to just think, well, once you have this damage, similar to your mom, you know, with her 25% improvement, you, you're creating new brain cells until the day you die. You can constantly be rejuvenating your brain. What's your opinion around hyperbaric oxygen chamber, um, uh, infrared saunas and all that as regards to brain health. Yeah, exactly. There's so many other things like that. I mean, HBOT treatments um, and those honestly for, I mean, a pro athlete in, in the game, I mean, it may be worth it. Some of the home chambers are inexpensive enough. I got one at home. Rooms. Oh, nice. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you don't want to get a big hard shelled $50,000 version, but they've got some for, you can get for a few thousand dollars now. And the sauna as well. Sauna increases heat shock proteins is good for the brain. Um, cold therapy also increases dopamine is, can be good for the brain as well. So all of those things add up. And if we can stack those interventions, you can really make a big difference for, difference for someone's brain health. Good deal. What's your opinion on wearables, like the trackers um, for sleep and for output throughout the day? I think they're incredible, uh, except for people who they're not. So let me explain. <laughs> we use them all the time. I've always got an aura ring on and a whoop on and like I'm, I'm tracking. And the way we use them is um, to really dial in. Uh, so let's talk about sleep, for example. There are a hundred things you can do to optimize your sleep. And you listen to podcasts, you read articles and you want to try them all. If you try them all, you don't really know which ones are working, which ones aren't for you. So what we do is a patient will look at their genetics, we'll talk to them, look at the blood work, and we're going to optimize your sleep. So based on all the information we have, these are the probably top three things that are going to affect your sleep. But let's do them one at a time, and let's look at your aura ring data and see which ones have the impact. I did that for myself. So for example, for me, I have a um, FAAH uh, SNP, fatty acid amyhydrolase, that makes me more likely to benefit from CBD. So I tried it with my aura ring, saw a big, big improvement in deep sleep. And then one at a time, I find the two or three interventions to make the biggest difference out of kind of the top 10, and I'll stick with those. So that's how we use kind of trackers, these end of one experiments. The problem of the downside occasionally, which I kind of alluded to, is that sometimes people get so obsessed with it, they start to equate 
the data with themselves. Like you aren't the data. And I see some people who will lay in bed ruminating and not be able to go to sleep because of they're worried what their aura ring data is going to show. And it's just a, a, a cycle. And so a lot of our type A people, um, I'll have them take it off for a while. <laughs> and we just use it to do the diagnosis and the experiments. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And when I was playing in the NFL, uh, Whoop had sent us a bunch of bands and I really liked it, especially for seeing the sleep in particular, like how much sleep I was getting, what was affecting it, you know, the output throughout the day, how strenuous was this practice compared to the next practice. And it's all off your heart rate. There's no guessing there. Well, what I didn't like was if I woke up and it said 30% recovered, I'm practicing that day regardless. Like I, and I don't want to know if I'm poorly recovered. Like, yes, I want to know how much deep sleep I got because I want to be able to track it. But I also like the, I, I would have loved to just turn off the recovery score. Maybe you can, I didn't play with it long enough, but I, 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 I eventually just took it off because I said, man, I can't afford that. Okay. Well now the off season hits and I played with it a little bit more. I started using it during the season and finally said, you know what, I'm getting rid of this thing because if we traveled to a different city that day and the airplane affected my sleep and a different bed and a different environment, whatever it is, like that doesn't matter. I'm 100% recovered on game day in my mind. And that's what I had to do with it. And shoot, I'm so competitive that we had our member guest golf tournament in our country club last week and I still took it off just because I didn't want to know if, you know, a Jeff Ruby's meal at nine o'clock at night affected my sleep. Like I'm over it, but I know exactly what you're saying there. A lot of times with athletes, I tell them, take it off before a game. So it, for me, someone who I'll get up and I got a workout plan, even if I don't feel good, I'm going to, I'm going to crush it, but I end up hurting myself a lot of times because I overtrain. So it's great during training to help modulate a little bit, but before a game, it can really psych you out. And if you have to perform, you have to perform. So either take it off or it'd be even better if we could like, uh, remotely control it and tell you that you're like at hundred percent and just yes. psych you up even more, but I don't know how to hack the system and do that yet. Yep. Yep. All right. Last thing. And then we'll get to some recurring questions. You mentioned exogenous ketones earlier um, in regards to the football players. Would you recommend that to people just on a day-to-day -day basis? Like what's the research saying around exogenous ketones right now? Because people that promote uh, ketosis diets will definitely tell you, and they all have a brand of them that they're going to represent as well. What's your research telling you um, as far as just kind of a general, and I know that's, it's specific to individuals, but in general. Yeah. And so to not get into the specifics, um, like we do just in general, yeah, ketones are, are, are great. They're a really great source of fuel for your brain. They're a signaling molecule. They do a lot of other things as well. The only, the biggest downside to ketones is to your pocketbook, like exogenous ketones are still expensive. And so I'm not telling patients to take them every day, but I'm a bit of a hypocrite. And because most days I'll take some, because I, I know you get a cognitive benefit from it. And I know it's got some other benefits too. So if you can afford it and, and you want to optimize, go for it. In general, I'm really, really recommending it more strongly to someone who's in a contact sport and they're at high risk for brain injury and maybe just before um, whatever the performance they're going into is. Well, I'm glad you said that because I did take some about a half hour before the podcast. <laughs> so, and, and I do know that there's benefits there. I can feel it cognitively. So I'm glad you said that. All right. First Recurring question. What is your favorite book? That is maybe the hardest question you could ask me. I have, I have a Google doc with lists of books on all my favorite topics. What's, um, what's the know. most recent book you read? So if I had, so in that, that's probably the one I would say is potentially my favorite, but I do that a lot. 
So uh, the, this is a book that probably most people haven't even heard of. It's called Awake. Um, it's by an author, Angelo DeLulo. Uh, he's, uh, and it, it really is about the process of waking up, which is kind of a existential or kind of woo topic. So, um, but if you're into that kind of thing, like inquiry into kind of the deepest truth that there are of like who you are and what consciousness and what reality is, he writes about it in one of the, some of the most plain and straightforward ways and really points to it. And you, for me, at least I will have these incredible experiences just reading the book. And so I'm somewhat obsessed with uh, that book and Angelo DeLulo right now. We're, we're actually, I'm going to tell you this, this isn't public yet. We're having a, a conference. Actually, you're in Kentucky. So here at the Kentucky Castle, we're having a conference September 30th through October 2nd. Um, on this topic because Mike and Nate and a few others that are really obsessed with this and Angelo is going to going to speak and we're going to have some other um, big names like that but the book Awake which probably nobody has heard of is listening is I think my favorite book right now man I'm gonna have to check that out for sure I, I'm definitely intrigued by that and hopefully those dates work out in the middle of football season sometimes that's tough for me but I would love to join you guys for that conference as well what role does your faith play in your life um, it, it plays a, a big role in my life. It's also an evolving thing, um, over, over time. I, um, growing up, um, I, my dad was a pastor of a, of a church. Uh, he's wow. a chaplain of the fire department uh, here in Lexington. And, um, so it played a really big role then. Um, I had, I had a, um, a period in life going through medical school and residency and very scientific where I kind of drifted away from that in general. And now, as I just mentioned, kind of a spiritual book is my number one favorite book right now. Uh, I'm very much into that. I don't think there's anything really more important um, right now than, than that kind of pursuit of, of truth uh, and deep truth. So it plays a, a very big role, but if I, um, but it's waxed and waned over time. And I think I'm just now really kind of getting back to it. Excellent. What was uh, your first car? My first car was a uh, it was a pickup truck. I paid $500 for it. I, I massively upgraded to a $700 pickup truck after that. Um, <laughs> I couldn't even tell you the model. All I can tell you is it was red and it was what I could afford for mowing lawns. So it was, it was nice for sure. That's hilarious. It, actually the $700 one was super dope though. It had the, the liner in the back of it. Somebody put this waterproofing. And so I'd fill it up with water in the summer. And we basically had a pool that we could drive around. Guys would hang out in the back of the truck with it full of water. So yeah, those are two incredible cars. That's hilarious. What's your favorite restaurant? Um, my favorite restaurant. Um, so I, I, <laughs> I own a restaurant, so I'm going to get in trouble if I don't say the Kentucky castle, but that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Yeah, but my 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 wife and I uh, we're here in Lexington. We love there's a there's a place in Lexington called the Native Cafe. It's outdoor. It's just incredible. It's all trees and plants and nature, and it's all outside. There's no indoor part of it, um, and we really love going there just because we're part part of with Wild Health. Wild is partially due to the kind of the wild and crazy genomic stuff we're doing, and part of it is is an allusion to nature and how we think people have lost the wildness, and that's a big part of that disconnection from wildness, our creator creation is a big part of a lot of the problems. So we, as much as we can be in nature, we can. So we love the native cafe. I'm going to have to check that out. All right. Last one for me. This is what's next with Eric Wood. What's next for Matt Dawson? What's coming down the line for you? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I haven't talked about this publicly at all, but it's really that concept of, of consciousness and, and awakening. I, I think, um, 
we see people all the time. We're trying to, one of our core values um, at Wild Health, a couple of them, one is kind of live wild and others kind of pursue truth and others is heal. Together we heal the entire person, mind, body, and spirit. We haven't um, focused as much on the spirit part, um, but I think that's to our detriment and others' detriments. Um, I think that's one of the things we're, we're extremely excited for. And that's what's next for us is this concept of helping ourselves first and then others kind of awaken to their, their deepest nature. Awesome. I, I can't wait to uh, be poured into through Wild Health through, uh, on the spiritual side. And I've had recommendations already to be more consistent with a mindfulness practice that that may help me sleep a little bit better at night and maybe have a little bit more peace in my life. But uh, I'm excited to be poured into in that way. I'm extremely grateful for the company that you've created in Wild Health with you and Mike. And it's it's benefited me already. And in the long run, hopefully it benefits me, my family, and many others that um, I'll be drawn to impact over the years. So I thank you for that. And I can't wait to connect further in the future. Yeah, that, that's why we created it. It makes me so happy to hear you hear you say that. So this has been a super fun conversation. Thank you so much, Eric. Absolutely. I've loved it. Thanks, man.